It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. The Bengals are opening up Ring of Honor voting. We're going to start there before getting to a couple of other topics today, including revisiting the Morgan Moses conversation and taking a broader look at tackle depth. And then we'll wrap up with revisiting a question from last week's mailbag that leads to a longer conversation about personnel packages on the defensive line. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. James, the Bengals are opening up a ring of honor voting and Mike Brown spoke to Dan Horde on the Bengals Booth podcast for one of the few times we hear from Mike Brown anymore. That was a pretty cool episode in general, talking through a lot of the players that are eligible for the Ring of Honor and sharing some stories about those players. So if you're a season ticket holder, I'm sure you know this already, but get ready to vote and figure out who's going to go into this inaugural class of the Ring of Honor. But beyond that, James... I thought the conversation around the genesis of the Ring of Honor was very interesting because conventionalism says Mike Brown was not interested in a Ring of Honor for a pretty long time. And then Elizabeth Blackburn comes along and seems to spearhead it. And then he backs that up when he was talking to Dan Horde. It's interesting, right? Because this has been such a hotly debated topic over the past few years. And Elizabeth Blackburn gets hired last uh, last year, and she's clearly making an impact. And I think that was my my big takeaway from what Mike said about the Ring of Honor, is he said, quote, the public wants it, and on a personal level, my granddaughter, who works for us now, Elizabeth, she's pretty keen on what the public wants, and she told me so. So we're going to go forward with this. And I just, I think it's so interesting because the perception of it is, yeah, Elizabeth is pushing. And Mike pretty much admitted it there. And and then he went on to say that he wasn't sure if the time was right in his mind, but since he's pushing or that since she's pushing for it, um, and then the, how well it was received by the public and well received by former players that he's excited that they decided to move forward with it this year. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting that he says, I might've had thoughts about why it might wait for later. Like when's later is my real question for Mike Brown. You know, when did he think was the appropriate time to open a ring of honor? He doesn't really get into it. And you're right. He talks about how pleased he is with the reception from the public and from old players. He said that the response from the old players is what meant the most to him, that they wanted to be involved, that they're interested in it. So I think he's pleased with that. But when's later for Mike Brown? Like, when is this? mythical quote-unquote later time 
that that Mike Brown thinks would be more appropriate. I'm just very curious for what was behind that part of the sentence. And maybe I'm blowing it up and he just kind of set it offhand and it doesn't mean anything. But I really wonder when that would be and what the reasons are that, that it should be later or might wait for later to use his words. I agree. <laughs> that's the that's the thing is it, it seemed like the perfect time is now. And I, I will note because I, I don't want to crush him here because because we just don't know what, what does he mean by that. But he did say, quote, we'll try to do it right. I think it's going to be well received. And the the other thing here that we don't know about with the Ring of Honor, Jake, how many inductees are there going to be each year? And he didn't say that, but he said, we're going to make it a process that goes on for a number of years and we're gradually going to build up the players who are included as the years go on. So it doesn't seem like they're going to have a year one, it's four, next year it's eight, so they can play catch up. I think they are going to uh, take their time with this and make sure that they get the right players in. And and who knows, maybe it's four a year. That might be too many because that, that after a few years is going to run out. So I, I do wonder what their long-term plan is there, but we don't know at this point. Yeah, I think that, you maybe go with like some sort of hall of fame like approach where there's some sort of minimum threshold to stay on the ballot or something, or, you know, you do eventually a a senior's ballot at some point when there's enough, (laughs) enough Bengals to, to fill up the list that some guys might fall off in the short term and maybe, maybe you revisit them later on the uh, quote unquote senior circuit. But I think that that would be an approach they could take and they would say, Oh, there's nobody to vote on this year we gave you your initial group or or maybe you know there's some sort of write-in functionality that gets into these ballots to get guys into consideration for future years but uh i think after a few years if there's some guys that aren't getting votes maybe they come off the ballot that'll be interesting to see how they manage really because right now everybody that's on the initial the inaugural ballot list you'd think would eventually get in right? Like there's nobody on that list. You'd think, oh, those guys don't deserve to be in a ring of honor. At least I I haven't seen that. I haven't seen anyone making those sorts of remarks. Absolutely. And and it's just a matter of when, not if. And that's the thing with a lot of these guys. And that's what's going to be interesting on uh, Monday when voting starts. And over the next month, is Ken Riley going to get more votes because the, the longer these people have been season ticket holders, fans have been season ticket holders, the more their their votes count, right? Because I, I would assume the older generation is going to vote for Ken Riley more so than the younger generation. So we'll see there. I hope that's the case, by the way. Uh, I think there's some debate there, and I know we've talked about it uh, a decent amount here. I want the two Kens in, and that's who I think should be in. Willie Anderson at some point, Chad Johnson at some point. He's my favorite Bengal of all time. At the same time, those are the two that I would target because I think those two should already be in the Hall of Fame. There you go. I'm going to be very curious to see how they manage these ballots going forward and how guys like A.J. Green and Andrew Whitworth, when they're eventually included, maybe they'll have some sort of retirement threshold the way the Pro Football Hall of Fame does because there is a template there, right? They can borrow a lot from the Hall of Fame voting process. But if you're a season ticket holder, you get your chance. Your voice will be heard. Let us know who you're voting for if you are a season ticket holder at Locked On Bengals on Twitter. 
because I'm curious. I'm curious to know what the season ticket holders that are out there listening are doing with their votes. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about Morgan Moses. We're going to revisit that conversation in the context of looking at Bengals tackle depth. There's nothing like trying to make a purchase and having bad credit. Well, Credit Karma is here to help. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, whether it's just credit monitoring or now with their new Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Who doesn't want instant gratification? If you're looking for satisfaction, there's no need to wait. With Credit Karma money, you could win cash reimbursements for debit purchases. Go to the app that I've used for years, Credit Karma. Open your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and fee withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Again, go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, on Thursday, we talked a little bit about Morgan Moses to start the show. I guess that was Friday's show, depending on when you listen to it. It was before the mailbag, nonetheless. And I had a few misconceptions in my head for that conversation that I want to correct. So if I said that Riley Reef has played left guard in his career, that was incorrect. I don't remember if I said that or not, but for some reason that was in my head as that conversation was happening, or maybe I just tweeted it at some point. But Riley Reef has never played guard in the NFL. He did back in college. That was a very long time ago at this point. Uh, but in the NFL, he's played left tackle for pretty much everything except for one season. He had one season in 2016 for Detroit when he played a lot of right tackle. And he was fine there. I mean, it wasn't his best season, according to Pro Football Focus, in his long career at this point, but he has at least played an NFL season, 888 plus snaps at right tackle. He's never played guard in the NFL. So that does James make the Morgan Moses idea a little bit more complicated. I know he said after he was signed Riley reef that he would play guard. If that was what's best for the team, if that's what the team needed him to do. And that was a question, of course, because Penny Sewell was still a draft target at the time. And I think that he still would, but this now gets a little bit more complicated than just, yeah, sign Morgan Moses, move Riley Reef to guard, because now you really have to ask the question, does that actually make the starting offensive line better? Is Riley Reef going to be a better left guard than Xavier Suafilo or Quentin Spain? And is Morgan Moses going to be 
at least as good as Riley Reef at right tackle to justify moving Riley Reef inside. So I think that that question gets a little bit more complicated given that fact. You're you're asking for really a, a bit of a position change for Reef and Sure, there are a lot of reasons that he projects to to do okay at a guard spot, but it does make that into a projection. And I think it introduces a little bit of instability with a couple guys making position changes. So it just complicates it, right? And and makes it a little bit less clear than it otherwise would be. I, I think that the strongest argument in its favor at this point, James, is, well, that really adds to your depth at tackle and at guard if Riley Reef is now a guard and if you've got Morgan Moses and Riley Reef as your tackle depth then then you're feeling better about that but you also really have to ask the question of does it make the starting unit better and with the position change requirement for Reef that becomes more of a projection and there certainly is a dilemma there absolutely and so my argument for it because I still think the Bengals should try would be it absolutely makes your starting group better the moment regardless the moment one of these guys gets dinged up. Jonah Williams has played 10 games over two years. Riley Reef could naturally move to left tackle and feel fine, as you mentioned. Morgan Moses is right tackle through and through, even though he did make a start against the Bengals, oddly enough, at left tackle last year. So there you go. You bolster your tackle depth. You got a guy in Riley Reef who I, I do feel pretty confident in saying that he could start at left guard and be pretty good there. But I understand it because... Could Xavier Suofilo? Maybe, but I do know that he's got an injury history as well. Quit in Spain. We'll see. I think he's versatile. How good is he really? Uh, and so I love the idea of having both of those guys being my backup left and right guards behind Carmen and Reef. And again, it's this is much to me about tackle depth as anything, because you don't want to thrust a, I mean, I mean insert whoever, right? A, a Kima Deneji. Is that a guy you want starting at right tackle the moment a Riley Reef gets dinged up or maybe Jonah Williams gets dinged up? What about uh, Deontay Smith, the rookie? I don't think so. Fred Johnson, is he ready for that? Maybe Frank Pollock thinks that he can get him ready to go, but I don't want them to be thrust into that situation with one training camp injury. So I agree with you. Like, is Riley Reef going to be such a huge difference between, or is there a huge difference between left guard Riley Reef? In Xavier Suofilo, healthy, or Quentin Spain, healthy? Probably not. But the injury history on some of these guys, Jonah Williams, Xavier Suofilo, it leads me down this path where I'm willing to see, because odds are one of these guys isn't going to be on the field week one, might get dinged up uh, week two, week three, right? And and that's the part of it that uh, that's concerning, because right now you're one tackle injury away from Akeem Adeniji or Fred Johnson getting uh, starting time at the tackle spots. Yeah, and, and that's, like I said, definitely the biggest argument in favor is is depth as soon as somebody gets hurt. And I think the other thing to look at is to talk a little bit more about who Morgan Moses is as a player. He, he has been a pretty good right guard. If you're looking at PFF, which, of course, I'll say a million times at this point, is not the be-all, end-all because people get People get upset, but it's just a place where you can go compare like to like. You look at true pass set pass blocking for Morgan Moses in his career. And and I'm just comparing to Bobby Hart, right? Because that's kind of the baseline. We should probably also be looking at Riley Reef. But if you compare Morgan Moses to Riley uh, to Bobby Hart, 
Morgan Moses, in his career, to no one's surprise, has been a better true pass set pass blocker than uh, than Bobby Hart. But in the last couple of years for for Morgan Moses, these numbers have started to wane a little bit. They started to get a little bit worse. He had some penalty issues in 2018, 2019, 15 and 11 penalties in those two years before last year getting that number down to six. And in that time, you know, the the pass blocking efficiency, Bobby Hart was actually better than Morgan Moses just as recently as 2019, where Moses was giving up more pressures on a per snap basis. So it's not like Morgan Moses is going to come in here and be a silver bullet, just like I've said Riley Reef wouldn't be a silver bullet, but if you can get him in and find a way to add to your depth, then sure, that that does make sense. And maybe you can even sign him as as a backup, right? Or or mm-hmm. like a clear path to playing time kind of thing, because he did get cut. I do think that someone probably has a bigger need immediately for somebody who can push to start and might pay him more money. And that's always the question, right? But when you talk about the, the Bengals' depth, you're right that Hakeem Adeniji and, and, and Fred Johnson are question marks as backups. I think they could be fine backups, but with the injuries they've dealt with lately, I would rather they be a little overprepared. And that's where Morgan Moses or a veteran, like a baseline veteran who can be okay for you, one more guy does make sense. And we've been saying that all offseason on this offensive line. Exactly. That That's the thing is since free agency, since before free agency began, you didn't want to be forced to, to go with the young guys. And there is a chance now they're already going to start one in Jackson Carmen. Jonah Williams has 10 starts. So that's if everything is perfect, you're rolling with a couple of young guys. And if Either one of these tackles gets dinged up. Now you're talking about limited experience on the edges against really tough competition. And you have a chance to change that by adding a a guy like Morgan Moses, who honestly, Jake, and I get it, Riley Reef is an upgrade, may look at Riley Reef and say, I can beat him out for that starting job. I don't need to be guaranteed anything. And I know I mentioned that on last week's show. I don't need to be guaranteed anything. I'm going to beat him out. Just give me a chance to compete for that job, which, by the way, I'm totally fine with. Like, it, It's not like they're going to end up paying Morgan Moses a ton of money if he does sign. Riley Reef, $7 million plus. It's not crazy money. So what's the worst that could happen? Y- your line is just that much better. It's that much deeper, and it's that much more experienced, which is a key. I do agree with you. Those guys could be okay in Akeem Adeniji, Fred Johnson, but we don't know. And you can't keep rolling with the unknowns and expecting it to be all rosy because a lot of the times it's not going to be, especially in the NFL when you're talking about going up against Miles Garrett or Jadavian Clowney with the Browns or any of these crazy high-end pass rushers, Khalil Mack, that they're going to be facing, especially at the early part of the season. Some of those guys unknown to fans. Maybe we don't know exactly what a guy like Fred Johnson is going to be, but you hope that Frank Pollock has a better idea and has a nice plan in place. And, and I know a lot of Bengals fans are going to say in Frank Pollock, we trust and only time will really tell us if he's earned that trust. And I sure hope that it is well placed. That's enough offensive line talk for one episode. James, let's talk about the defensive front coming up next. 
We talk about it all the time. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. And man, if you have not tried Built Bar, you need to because they have amazing flavors. Whether it is the coconut almond, the cherry, raspberry, mint, brownie, peanut butter brownie, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. There is something for everyone with Built Bar. And the best part, it's not their amazing taste. It's the macros. High protein, low sugar, high in fiber, low calorie, perfect for you. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use promo code LOCK15 at checkout and you're going to get 15% off your first order. It's that simple. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We always get a ton of great questions on the weekly mailbag, and sometimes we don't get to all of them. So what Jake and I decided to do was to answer a couple of them outside of our normal Friday show where we get into the weekend mailbag. And this one came from Jay Wilkerson 73 on Twitter. He asked, with the personnel we have on the defensive line and the lack of three techs heavy on ends that can wear many hats. Is it possible? This is intentional and we see a lot more three, four looks this season, or might it be that we see more three, four looks because the personnel might necessitate that? Well, I think we really started to see it last year, right? The Bengals did a lot of five man front kind of stuff effectively with the personnel they had and, and they did it, in slightly different ways. They, they presented it slightly differently. They would stand Sam Hubbard up. They would stand Carl Lawson up. They moved those guys around a little bit. And I think that because they were moving some guys around, standing some guys up, putting some guys' hands in the ground, sometimes it looked like traditional 3-4, and sometimes it looked like 4-3, even if it was the same personnel on the field. So and for me, what the question really is at this point, James, is with Tyler Shelvin's addition, do the Bengals plan to do more two-gapping on base downs where they're expecting a running play, meaning instead of having guys try to shoot gaps and trying to, to use everyone gets one gap, you have a couple big bodies out there in DJ Reader and Tyler Shelvin who are responsible for, for both directions of a gap. So you're engaged with the center and you're responsible maybe for both A-gaps, right? As as the A-gaps are between the center and the guard. And so when you have a couple of guys that can two-gap, it makes me wonder, well, do you want to two-gap more? But I think from a personnel perspective, it, it doesn't really matter with these guys. The, 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 the idea that you need different players to, to play these different fronts in the NFL at this point, I think is is antiquated. And whether it, it looks like a 3-4 or a 4-3, you, you, you're going to see really the question is, how, what, what's the personnel? So do you have five defensive linemen on the field and you have one stood up? Well, that's five defensive linemen either way. And the, the thing about traditional 3-4 is, is people think about those outside linebackers as linebackers, like it's a different position, right? And at this point, the NFL, as we all know, 
an outside linebacker in a 3-4 is, is an edge rusher, an edge defender, and four threes are going to have those too. So the, the question really is, are the Bengals going to put three heavies on the field more often, I think? And I, I don't see a real argument for that. I don't see any reason that they would put extra heavies on the field in passing situations or anything like that. But they have... I think a more versatile set of, of, of players in the defensive line now that does give them a little bit more versatility. And I think that's such a key word when looking at how they've tried to attack the defensive line, what they liked, what they didn't like. Like they wanted Carl Lawson back, but they think Trey Hendrickson is more versatile, <laughs> right? Like that, that's, that's certainly the case. Joseph Osai they think he can be good against the run, and as he bolsters that, his pass rushing skills be versatile there. Cam Sample, obviously, uh, right? White Hubert too. <laughs> you know the same. The list goes on and on and on. So really, outside of Tyler Shelvin, who is just going to be this beast in the middle, or at least that they envision, that can help slow slow down these AFC North rushing attacks. I think they got a lot of guys that are versatile that they think can do a little bit of everything. Heck, even go back to last year when they signed DJ Reader. Of course, nose tackle. Obviously, he wasn't going to be this Geno Atkins-like sack producer. At the same time, Jake, they expected him to get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks, and he showed ability to do that in his last season with Houston. And I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that's what they expect again. I mean, Larry Ogunjobi, they target him. They're going to put him in the three-tech role, but you know they expect him to, to be versatile for him if, if they need it to, uh, to be the case. And he showed that last year. It wasn't a great year necessarily stats-wise for him, but he showed that he could do a little bit of that for the Browns. So I think that's kind of their vision. Can we get a bunch of guys that can do multiple different things and move around? Because last year they were obviously extremely, extremely limited depth wise. And they were kind of chasing things from the moment training camp started. And they still move guys around last year's defensive line. Marcus hunt played the fourth most snaps on the defensive line. And he played in one gap or one tech alignment which is between the center and guard. He played tackle shaded on both sides of the center. He played over tackles. He played outside of tackles. He even played a little bit of nose head up. So, I mean, I'm sure Marcus Hunt, 6'8", 298 pounds is what he's listed at. They really like his versatility, their ability to move him around. They don't really have a guy quite like Marcus Hunt this year or like Carlos Dunlap from when they had that body early last year and, and his size to move around, but they could really move around a guy like Marcus Hunt. So I do think they're looking for some of that with their end players last year. I talked about hand up, hand down. Carl Lawson had 138 snaps where he was on it stood up. He was in a two point stance. Sam Hubbard obviously moved around a ton, had a similar number of snaps where he was standing up on a percentage basis and kicked inside a little bit. So I think you will see a lot of guys moving around into a lot of different positions. I think that they're going to probably have a ton of sub, pa sub packages this year. And by adding Shelvin, you do add the ability to put two two gappers on the field in DJ Reader and Tyler Shelvin. And that is going to be the most interesting thing to me, James, is if they try to two gap with two guys in there using Shelvin as a traditional nose and, and letting DJ reader align up outside of him a little bit on one side or the other, and just trying to say, Hey, it's going to be hard for you to run 
in any of these gaps with these two guys on our defensive line. So that part is really interesting to me. And then the nickel three tech, as you discussed, is also one where there's going to be a rotation and they're going to have to do a little bit of experimenting, I think, to find out who they want out there with Larry Ogunjobi in those passing situations. Speaking of a rotation, there's an eight-time Pro Bowler out there, Jake, that uh, I'm sure would be happy to be part of a rotation. So, you know, who who knows? And I'm just obviously talking about Geno Atkins. Who knows if he would like a reunion in Cincinnati and sticking around here. But uh, you can't help but wonder. I think the door's still at least cracked to the possibility. So we'll see if that happens before before training camp. Because if I'm Geno, are you signing to go to these? Not that you have to go to these OTAs. But I wouldn't sign until after these mini camps, especially if it's with the Bengals. If it's with a new team and you want to get settled, that's one thing. But you know what you're getting in Cincinnati. I feel like he's a hard worker, but I also feel like he can just wait until training camp or even, you know, week two preseason and and figure out where he wants to go then, figure out the best fit for him. I will say the Bengals have 15 defensive linemen currently on the on the roster fighting for spots. So I mean, it wouldn't be unusual to see a little bit more competition come in, but they have a lot going on there. So, you know, there there will be some competition happening for, you know, five or six, seven guys to try to make the roster there. So hopefully competition does what it does and breeds the best. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We've got OTAs coming this week. We'll have some football activity to talk about, maybe We'll see Joe Burrow. Maybe not. We're on Joe Burrow watch at this point with the recent news of his better than expected recovery. We're going to be looking every day to see if Joe Burrow's out there at OTAs. And that starts later this week. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.